Hello and welcome to CHN Radio. Um, my name is Elijah. Greg is not with us. He's no longer with us. I'm sorry to, to say this. Um, no, just kidding. He's in San Diego. Um, but yes, we are the official podcast of Coming Home Newcastle United. Um, and I'm here today um, co-hosting alongside Brian Nelson, our site manager. Brian, say hey, what's up to the people. What's up? Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. So um, we just had a very lengthy international break. This one felt much longer than the other ones. Um, shout out to all of our loyal listeners who um, showed us some love with the Warren Barton pod, which um, everyone seemed to love. Everyone is writing about it, which is great for us. Um, and of course, to our, uh, our, our two interviews with our Southeastern American Newcastle fans. So um, thanks for all the love, guys. It really means a lot. Um, and of course, as always, be sure to rate and comment and all that good stuff. Um, today's episode is previewing the Brighton match. Um, and basically, we'll talk about that. We have a couple club news to hit on. We'll talk about the international break, um, some of the players um, that played and what they did. But as always, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter um, at CHN underscore radio and to follow our site's Twitter account at Coming Home NUFC. And of course, to hit up the website, which is uh, espionation.cominghomenewcastle.com or just type in Coming Home Newcastle on the Google. So, Brian, let's get into this club news. Uh, you uh-huh. wrote an article on a possible Brendan Rogers link. Yeah, I did. Okay, so there were rumors about Brendan Rodgers, current manager of Celtic FC up in Scotland. Um, he's former manager of Liverpool. There were reports that Mike Ashley was lining him up as a potential replacement if Rafa were to leave at the end of this year, or now potentially earlier. Um, I have another piece coming out later on the reports that Rafa is in the hot seat. Uh, but currently, Brendan Rodgers is seen as a replacement option, not as an immediate option for the club at this time. Brian, do you personally think that Rafa is actually in the hot seat? Oh, see, uh, this is a little preview into what's being written right now. I do. Oh. Um, and the reason why I think that is, and I do say in the article, Rafa should be held to the same standard as any manager in this position. And that is, if you have a string of results like this, you should be in the hot seat. At the same time, Rafa is also seen as critical to the sale of the club. Remember, all three of Amanda Staveley's uh, offers to buy the club involved one constant, and that was Rafa remaining at the helm of the club. That's the only reason why he's, he wasn't in the hot seat last year. So I think Mike Ashley is using this as a way to seem like he is more involved, that he is paying attention. Whether or not I think it's serious talk, I don't know. But I do think that Rafa may be seen as in the hot seat. I mean, I, I, would, I would agree with that to an extent. I do think that there are some circumstantial factors. Um, definitely like looking at the teams that you've lost to and the results you've gotten against them. And now that we're able to compare, you know, what does a Man City loss look like under Rafa? Under what does it look like when you're Wolves or not Wolves? That's a terrible example because they lost by one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, they didn't lose by much. Yeah, um, but it just but you get the idea. It, what now that you're seeing Man City start to run through 
other mid-table sides and beat them 4-1 and 5-1 and 4-2 and et cetera, et cetera. Having, a, having to lose by them only by one, that's very promising. So, um, yeah, I, I would agree that if there was another manager in his position, they'd probably be on the hot seat. But you're right, he's critical to the sale of the club. I don't know if you're really going to – if people are going to feel great with um, possibly Brendan Rodgers or, I mean – I, I don't have an issue with Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, I don't have an issue with Liverpool, Liverpool had a decent run under him, and every manager goes through rough spots. The thing is, Liverpool, like the other top five clubs, holds their managers to among the highest standard in the world. And just one string of bad results, one bad season, can result in a sack. So, I mean, I think Brendan Rodgers is a good manager. Celtic's done fantastic under him. So... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I would say this about Brendan, though. I would say that I would say he's still not in the same caliber as Rafa. In no, no known absolutely. Not. And so that's that's the he only has a thing. one on the same level as Rafa. Because exactly. Rafa so, is the only manager to have won all the titles. Yeah. He's the only one to have won the Champions League, Europa, Club World Cup. The only thing he's missing from his resume is a National World Cup. That's the yeah. only thing he's missing. Yeah. He, he, if he were to win the FIFA World Cup, that would be that he would turn that him. he turned down that ability this yeah. past year too. Yeah, allegedly, allegedly, yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, and this and so moving on, kind of related to Rafa. Um, so he reportedly, and this is I don't know if this is clickbaity or if this is just like I don't know what the sources are on this, but uh, the Chronicle have reported that Rafa's apparently received his January budget. And they claim that he's going to be um, scraping at the bottom of the barrel again. But this time, he's going to go into January knowing that he's scraping at the bottom of the barrel. So he's already started preparations. Do you that, see that? That doesn't tell me anything I didn't already know. Exactly. That's one of those things where I don't Ruffle know. Ruffle always ex- knows that he's going to be scraping at the bottom of the barrel because his boss is Mike Ashley. Yeah. Do you, so, do you- <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, like, I, I don't know what really to take away from it other than the fact that it's what we've always known Ashley not Ashley sorry Benitez has always known that he can't trust the word of Mike Ashley I mean hey at least maybe Ashley's being straightforward and say I'm gonna screw you over in January and at least he's (laughs) going into it knowing he's gonna get screwed over but I I honestly disagree I think because the club is in such dire straits right now we may see more investment like we did when we signed Andros Townsend, when we signed John Joe Shelby, I think we may see that kind of transfer window again this year. Well, not this year, but next. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. I, I do think that, I think, I mean, I don't know anything about the Chronicle and their sources. I think this is kind of a grasp for straws. I mean, there's not much to talk about in terms of the club right now. And- no, but I think there's a lot of pressure on the Chronicle to report it. Yeah. That's, because yeah. they're so close to the club. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on Lee Ryder, Mark Douglas. There's, there's pressure on a lot of them yeah. to give fans some sort of answers. Yeah. But at the same time, I wouldn't put out yeah. an article that tells me something I didn't already know. Yeah, and it was, and if you if you read the article, it's, it's quite long, and it's like <laughs> it's just like literally the same thing. It it was it was interesting, but I agree with that. They they are under a lot of pressure. Um, to answer questions, and especially with the fact that part of their brand, part of the trust they've built with fans and the club is just 
um, having these weekly or almost daily Q and A's that they do where they mm-hmm. answer um, even the toughest questions, even work really hard over there. Yeah. And so, I mean, Hey, that's fair, fair play to them, but yeah. So speaking of money, <laughs> there are, that we, since this international break began, we've heard three rumors of different parties interested in buying Newcastle United. Um, obviously are you including a, Kenyan in that? Yeah, that's the three. I, I put two American, one Middle Eastern group. Okay. Kenyan's group is the one of the American groups. And then, of course, there was a rumored another American group yesterday and one group out of the Middle East um, that was interested in investing in a Premier League club. Um, so, I don't know. Uh I wouldn't take those like seriously, I guess. Um, but I thought Peter Kenyon's group is British. Yeah. Yes, it is British. I believe I read on the Chronicle that he reached out to American investors okay. though. Um, okay, like that, he's British, but be. I'm pretty sure that he's, he's like organizing group filled with American investors and you guys, Hey, if that's wrong, Twitter, call me out on it, but yeah, I'm pretty it. sure it's not wrong. Because I, when I was reading the article from the Chronicle about the uh, two, the the new American investor, they too referenced that uh, there was going to be a um, that that there was that they were competing with another American group led by Peter Kenyon. So um, you, know, you know what's funny is I, I laughed when one of the words in the article that mentioned the another American group of unnamed investors is they are seriously wealthy people. And I laughed at that line because that line immediately make, made me think, is Donald Trump buying the club? Oh, gosh, that'd be. <laughs> I just like, started like laughing because I'm thinking that sounds like something he would say. Yeah, right. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I do think, uh, you know, if there is some some substance to it, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like um, like the, the people who are who are rumored or like. 30 year old guys in their mid 30s who are like tech tech guys because i think tech guys are the only people only americans who are like willingly going to like invest in european football because um, it's new money because it's new money yeah and and they kind of like want to stay on top of the trends they see i mean but also it's the premier league so like everyone kind of knows once you're in you're going to be making some sort of money i don't know it's interesting i don't even have being american i don't even know who i mean I think that if it was someone that we all knew, like if it was like a Jeff Bezos or a, a Elon Musk, like he's not even American, but if it, he I just lives here. Him. Yeah, he just lives here. But like if it was someone of that degree, I think that we would know, like as Americans, it would be kind of a big deal. There are like, people oh. who are like, oh, it must be Bill Gates or it must be Jeff Bezos. Yeah, it's like... One, I've, I've been lucky in my lifetime to have talked to Bill Gates. He has no interest in sports ventures. Um, but Real quick, rest in peace, Paul Allen, who did. Um, but in general, I just I can't see really the interest from American groups in Newcastle United. I don't see it from this hemisphere being interested in purchasing Newcastle United. It just doesn't seem like it's a solid investment. We always make it sound like it's a solid investment, but if you were to ask people over here who aren't invested in the club, who just see it as a business, maybe not as a team, I don't think people see the potential in it, the same potential that we do. I, so I think, I think that there's been a, in the game a long time knows the potential yeah. because he turned Manchester United into a financial powerhouse. He made Chelsea what it is today. So 
he's the guy who knows. But I think most Americans don't. Yeah, and to be fair, I would say that most Americans don't just simply because they weren't watching soccer back back when, you know, the era of the entertainers, when no. you got Newcastle, who's a, a consistent Champions League club. And so I think... They're all bandwagoner and you fans. It's yeah. basically America. Yeah, it, hey, and no disrespect to Americans. We are Americans, so we can say this. So uh, <laughs> we're pulling that card. But, but I would say this, maybe if there's an American group that looks at the pure, like looks at the numbers completely and sees that we're one of the only clubs that consistently sells out, one of the only clubs that consistently sells out of away tickets. Like you can see that there's potential and that you're always going to make money. You're not buying a club that's struggling for attendance or buying a club that's struggling for, to have fan engagement. So if you look at it holistically, you could probably see that it's a decent investment because you do know that you're always going to have a sold out or that sold out stadium. Um, but that's like very surface level. I do think that if there's an American, if there's Americans invested, there are people who, must have heard of Newcastle or, or maybe they know people at Fox or ESPN that, you know, maybe they've reached out to Warren Barton and they, and they know Warren and they know, <laughs> they know, they know how good Newcastle was um, and, and how the potential of the club. And so I, that's the only way I see it. Well, the, again, and real quick before we maybe move on one, I believe the interest from the Middle Eastern group. I believe that interest because yeah. they've been interested in buying ups lower performing clubs and turning them into high performing ones. That sounds realistic to me. However, there's another thing on the Americans purchasing a club. Remember when Robert Kraft was linked to purchasing Newcastle? Remember when there was this like random links? Well, Robert Kraft doesn't know how to deal without a salary cap. I don't think Robert Kraft or most American businessmen who are involved in sports ventures know how to handle the lack of a salary cap and the amount of money required to run a Premier League club. It's a losing game at first. You will lose millions, hundreds of millions of dollars at first. So I, I, for most American investors, they see that as an immediate loss. Yeah. And I don't think that most Americans are prepared for something that basically almost requires unlimited investment. Yeah. And, and I will say this though, with Kraft, there's a couple things on note of Kraft and, and we're not saying Kraft's the guy, but um, revolution sucks. Yeah. The revolution are, are probably, they're some of the lowest spenders in the MLS. Um, mm-hmm. Robert Kraft. It's, it's very disinterest. There's very, there's a very large amount of disinterest and, and it's not impossible to have an NFL team and an MLS club and be successful um, i.e., as you guys know, my favorite owner in the world, Arthur Blank, uh, has spent the most money out of any owner in MLS history, and he's only been there like two years. So, um, but I will say this: I don't think I think if Kraft was going to take on a business venture as as large as a as a Premier League club, I think he would reach out to his friends Saad Khan and the Glazers, who both own clubs in, uh-huh. in the Premier League, um, and I think that he would know that you know you're walking into something where you're going to have to put a lot of money. And I honestly don't know if, if Kraft really has the capital or wants to spend that money um, in order to, to run a Premier League club. I think it's I, one of I those. don't even know if the interest was actually there. Yeah, and it could have been an there. example. Yeah. Because Kraft is a perfect example of, you know, somebody who has succeeded very well on a tight salary cap yeah. in the NFL, but yeah. has failed greatly in MLS, which has, I now 
correct me if I'm wrong because I don't know much about MLS, but I'm pretty sure that they are a little more lenient yeah. on their salary cap and money spent on MLS because they want the money spent. Yeah. So. And, and with MLS, you like with your salaries, they, mm-hmm. there's a cap, mm-hmm. but like there's no there's no limit to how much you can you can spend to bring up particular players and and and, so. and, and and you could if Kraft really cared about the success of new new revolution, he would have invested and tried to bring in players. I mean, he's done quite the opposite. He's done the same thing he did with the Patriots where, or at least bring in a talented coach. I mean, Belichick to coach the Patriots. I mean, you obviously know how to pick a coach. Just pick a decent coach. Yeah. But, but yeah, with, with Kraft, I mean, with, if you're looking at MLS stuff, there was a, they had one of the better players in the league, league win, and he was unhappy and wanted more money and et cetera, et cetera. And, craft traded them so um it's just, it's mm-hmm. the same thing um but yeah so moving on um we've got another link to gary rodriguez who i think we've been linked to probably 60 times over the past three years but um he's been once again linked uh this time um he's been linked because he's been placed on the transfer list by galatasaray of course gary rodriguez is 27 he plays he can play on either side of the wing he can play on either side as a winger and as well as a striker question um, for the ignorant how much are they charging for him um so last i checked i want to say they were looking at trying to sell him for around 20 million euros then which, 100% that this will not happen because he's 27 years old and they're charging more than Ashley has ever spent on a player it, it's all red flags for Mike Ashley Oh yeah, no, it's a hundred percent red flags for Mike Ashley. Um, I do think you, if you could knock that price down, because that's that's Gary Rodriguez before he's put on the transfer list. Um, so I, I would imagine that price is probably going to go down, and you're looking at possibly spending. I mean, nine to ten million. You could probably get him for ten to ten to twelve million pounds, which wouldn't be too much out of the question, considering you did pay. He paid, well, I think they paid like $9 million for Jeannie Wijnaldum when he was 25 or 26. So, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's one of those where, you know, it's possible, but it's like Bastos where it's like, okay, we've been linked to him forever. Is it really going to happen? Newcastle actually purchased Wijnaldum, I believe, for 11. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think that if this were to happen, which I don't think it will, um, we would initially get him on a loan-to-buy deal in January with likely a player going in the opposite direction. I would say this, though. I don't think it would be a loan-to-buy deal because Mike Ashley, um, we, and I, we talked about this with in our, our episode with the financial, with our financial football news. Um, Mike Ashley very much wants to clear the books for, uh, for a lot of the players. Oh, sorry, clear the books for any potential buyers. Because, I mean, he still is interested in selling the club. Um, and I think he, he under his and his twisted logic, he doesn't want them to inherit inherit some sort of like debt basically um, mm-hmm. that's not already procured by the club. So basically, he doesn't want to do any loan to buy deals this year, which is why there was such a holdup with the Salman Rondon uh, transfer, where it was like we could have paid the release clause, we could have done a loan to buy, instead we had to do a loan swap. It was just there was so much holdup with that, and that was partially the reason why was. He didn't want to do a loan to buy deal because he wanted to make sure if and he that sold makes the January very unpredictable. Yeah, and, which makes yeah it, it makes January quite a bit interesting. But, I mean, I mean, just going off of the what we know from Mike Ashley from you know 
my almost 15 years of following the club and from your knowledge of Mike Ashley, uh, all I can think of is loan to buy because that's basically all we've ever done is loan to buy or loans. And basically it's all been loans right now. So it's, it's hard to figure out what's going to happen, but I definitely don't see him making any big purchases, you know, even, even a 12 million purchase, you know, I, I just don't see that happening in January because he's trying to sell. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think the only way it does happen is if we are right above the relegation zone and Rafa's like, okay, we need a striker and a number 10. But right now Rafa's got about five positions deep that he wants to look at. And so I'm looking, I'm thinking that we're probably going to get a bunch of European fringe players from around from around the continent who want to play in a Premier League club. Because I'm projecting at that point, we'll probably be 14 to 15. And if Rafa's content on staying, they'll probably be younger um, 23, 24-year-olds or something like that, and we get them for 3 to $5 million each. And I, we, we spend, like we did in the summer, around that 20 to £25 million pound mark for the, for the summer. So, um, yeah, that, that, that could happen. But um, So we're talking about international break. Um, there's a couple of things that did happen over the break there of note. Um, we'll talk about this later, but Karen Clark did pull um, himself out of the Ireland squad uh, for a thigh injury, I believe it was a thigh injury. Um, and I think that was like right after the break started. Um, Key played both games again uh, with South Korea. He appeared in both games. Um, I, the only thing of note is that South Korea upset Uruguay. So they, they played well and then they tied with Panama, which I don't know if that's good. Cause Pan- I mean, Panama is not the best, but they did tie with Panama, um, but they, they upset Uruguay. Um Yedlin gave up a goal at the back post in in uh, the United States' uh, most recent game against uh, who was that against? I think it was against Peru. It was against Peru. He gave uh, he got subbed on for like the last five minutes and just fell asleep at the back post and gave up a goal. Completely his fault. And then uh, Christian Atsu didn't play from a just really bizarre situation. Uh, Ghana was supposed to do like a home and home series which you'd play one game at Sierra Leone and then one game in Ghana against Sierra Leone. Um, and Sierra Leone's FA was then suspended before the, the new, for, before the international break occurred and Christian Atsu had traveled to Ghana for basically no reason. So that was just going to go home and see his family. Yeah. I mean, huh, family, that's a thing. Who cares? <laughs> Not important. Brian, you got any thoughts about any of the uh, international break guys? I just want to call Yedlin out. Okay. I mean, we we all know he's a super fast guy. He's, I think, one of the fastest players maybe in the Premier League. Definitely the fastest on the U.S. squad. He has a lot of trouble getting back in his position. Yeah. And I think that... I, I just I don't know how to word it. It's, it's very upsetting. It's frust- it's frustrating because he did the same thing to us this year. Yeah, I mean, okay. And granted, this goal was different. Um, it was a, it was it was different, but at the same time, I mean, goal. another own goal that he had with Newcastle. Then he falls asleep. Yeah. Okay. So he did give up a goal at the back post for Newcastle. The own goal he had this season technically really wasn't his fault because he was covering a guy because someone else messed up. Pretty mm-hmm. sure it was, I want to say it was Fernandez, 
like didn't cover a runner and and Yedlin tried to deflect the shot wide and just hit off of him. This goal was pretty bad that he gave for the United States. It was a it was a corner, I want to say, and it was either a corner or like a free kick. It might have been a free kick, and the ball was swung in, and um, or it was just a cross, one of those things. Basically, a ball was swung in, and Yedlin should have been covering the back post, and he thought that the winger was going to cover the back post. Just a crazy assumption. And then the, the, there was a runner who was just completely free and wide open. If Yedlin had just stuck to the back post, it would have never happened. Um, I mean, personally, on, on my – like, for me, I wasn't too concerned about it. There was some overreaction um, from the Americans. They were like, oh, we, we, should, we should turn him into a midfielder. And I think that Yedlin just really didn't want to play seven minutes – um, in a useless international friendly with a uh, with with a interim head coach when the USA has not hired a, an actual head coach, like this game is very pointless. And I would think you can, was, you can also blame maybe that lack of communication on the coach. Oh yeah, I mean, and but also, I mean, it's it's, it's a lot of blame to go around. But I do, I do think that Yedlin has a lot of issues that he needs to work out. And the thing is, he's a really good defender. But there are moments though, like the one, like, the mistake he made in the U.S. game. You know, there have been times at Newcastle United, at Sunderland, where sometimes it just doesn't seem like he's fully invested in defending. He gets he, – he looks at a different player. He forgets about who he's covering. And I think the focus needs to be there. Yeah. Um, I will say this, though, with uh, Yedlin, and before we move on – I, I, this season has been his best season in terms of defending. Uh, Absolutely, he's, yeah, he's, back. he's improved a lot. Oh yeah, he's he's not he's not all the way there yet, but he's. I think I think maybe I think next season. I mean, I think this season if he continues to play the way he is. Next season could be probably one of his best seasons of his whole career. And, in his defense, too, I think he's one of the best attacking defenders. Oh yeah, in the Premier League. That's fair. That is fair. All right, so um, kind of moving on into the the preview. Um, so, uh, just a quick table update. Newcastle are 19th right now um, in the Premier League, um, which, you know, that's, that's not the bottom of the table. So, we got, we got that going for us. Um, as you guys know, we did just recently lose um, to Manchester United, which that would have been a great three points to have. But we're sitting on two points. Um, if we had won, we would have – jumped up to 16th based on goal differential. Um, but yeah, uh, that is where Newcastle stands. Our opponents brighten. However, they are sitting 13th uh, with eight points. So really not too much separating the two. Eight points, uh, their recent form, they've just come off two straight draws um, and they have two straight losses after that. And then uh, a win over West Ham. Um Honestly, I have to say, Brighton, they kind of really have not looked impressive so far. You're looking at um, their draws that they had. Uh, I want to say, let's see. Uh, they drew they, – well, they lost to Man City, of course, 2-0. But they, like, drew against Fulham, I think, is their most recent draw, a uh, 2-2 draw. And I want to say – it might have been Wolves. But I'll look at it in a second. But anyway, um, not not – they're not looking – particularly threatening, especially compared to Man U. What are your thoughts on, on Brighton coming in this game, Brian? Uh, you can call any game an easy win 
we did it when we thought that we were going to beat Manchester United. We thought that, you know, there were a couple games earlier in the season that we thought, oh, we should totally get a win out of this one. And we didn't. So I'm not holding my breath on a win against Brighton. But at the same time, I do think that Brighton is maybe our best chance at walking away with three points, getting to five points, and kind of starting to work our way up the table. Yeah. And so, yeah. It, I mean, they're not in the run. best of form. They're not good in the run. best of form. Neither are we. Yeah. And I think that it gives kind of both teams, not just Newcastle, but even Brighton. If Brighton walk away with a win here, that's perfect for them because it, I think either team that wins is going to get the confidence to move forward. So, yeah. I, yeah, and, and just a quick correction. These are Brighton's last five matches. Uh, draw against Fulham, draw against Southampton, loss against Tottenham, loss against Man City, and a win over West Ham. Mm-hmm. None of those results are things that you would be worried about. I don't think that uh, I would be worried if I were <laughs> if I were uh, if I were Rafa about, you know, is this team going to really attack us? Um, at, with the same amount of attacking prowess as you know, Man City or Man United, so people we've already if had. If we to play the same way we played against Manchester United, we'll walk away with a win. Yeah, yeah. Hands down. If we play attacking football, if we're not playing everyone at the freaking back, if we're playing attacking football and we're solid defensively, there is absolutely no reason Newcastle should lose to Brighton. Yeah. I mean, and at there's the same no time Brighton has a win and we don't. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, and, and to be fair, there's no reason uh, that we <laughs> that that we should be playing defensive against Brighton. They don't really have the best attacking options. No. And and just going through their injuries, they they could be a little bit shorthanded. So um, injuries for both teams. Uh, Kieran Clark, as we mentioned, does have a thigh injury. Uh, obviously, Florian Florian Lejeune. Um, now his expected return is early 2019 uh, for his ACL tear, which is. Un- inhuman. If if that happens, then Greg and I owe everyone an apology. Um, we've got a couple <laughs> training knocks for Muto and Kennedy, but they should be. Um, they should. They're still. They're not listed as doubtful for this for this match. Uh, Solomon Rondon is still day to day. I wouldn't expect to see him play though, um, just because uh, this thigh injury has been something that's been bothering him all year. So I would imagine they're not going to try to rush him back. And then Paul Dummett still has a hamstring injury. He was back in training this week, but like I wouldn't expect him to play again as well. I am hearing rumors that Dummett might play, but don't yeah. take my word for it. Yeah, I mean, um, he could play, but I'm not expecting it. I honestly don't care if we lose Rondon. I want Muto up front. Yeah. Absolutely, I want Muto up front. Um, that is the club's best chance at scoring some goals. Rondon's been good. He's looked okay, but he hasn't been that spark. Yeah, but Muto against Manchester United, he my was God, was there a spark? And so. talk about confidence going into this game. You score your first Premier League goal um, <laughs> at Old Trafford. Like I think oh, yeah. that's, I think that's a lot of confidence. And so looking at Brighton, I think you could argue that they're probably hurting a little bit more injury wise with key players than we are. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got Dale Stevens out. Dale Stevens is day to day. Davy Proper um, is back in training, but not expected to play. Uh, Gaetan Bong got injured over I, – I might be butchering his name, but he, I think he got injured over the international break. What's his name? Uh, Ga- Gaetan Bong, maybe? Gaetan Bong? His name is literally Bong. Yes, 
like the 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 vice people smoke marijuana out of. That is his name. That is some last name. Um, Martin Mentoya uh, has a hamstring injury. Matt Ryan um, has just listed as injured. And Pascal Gross is day-to-day. Um, on Brighton's official website, though, um, they, they say that uh, Dale Stevens and Pascal Gross are going to be uh, late, late decisions. Uh, Davey Proper will probably miss the game, um, which is kind of is a big deal. Um, he's, he's missed the last couple of games, but he's still, he's still going to be out. Um, and Bong is also probably doubtful. Um, and they say that, uh, Rondon and Dummett could possibly play Kieran Clark's likely to not play. Um, but yeah, so that's the injuries. Um, just, I would say, and, and for Newcastle, it doesn't really seem like a big deal, but when you, when I read the starting line for Brighton, you can notice that some of the injured guys are some of the guys that they just, they recently started. So kind of a big deal for them. They could possibly be without both starting fullbacks um, and arguably their best player, Pascal Gross. So um, looking at who they rolled out last time, and that was against Fulham where they scored, they, uh, they drew two, two. Uh, they, they rolled out Matty Ryan, Bruno, Duffy, Dunk, Bong, Proper, Kyle, Knockert, Marsh, Jahan Bakish. That's not a, that's a, that's a name. And Murray. Um, and so. If you're a Brighton fan, please correct us. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast, but but correct because us. they love us. Because <laughs> they no love other reason for no other reason than to to hear what we have to say. I mean, come on, get the intel on, from the enemy. Yeah, I'm not just the greatest Newcastle podcast. This is the greatest football podcast. Ooh, ooh, Brian, Brian Nelson making some bold claims. I, I like it. I like it. Um, but yeah, so so. There, there. That's the lineup that they rolled with. Um, I would imagine that not much is probably going to change. Um, everyone's favorite, Anthony. He's probably going to be playing. <laughs> Dunk's probably going to play. Bruno might play. Uh, Duffy, Dunk. I mean, uh, yeah, they're, they're like uh, Sully Marsh. They're probably going to play. Um, Newcastle. That of course we know their lineup um, was Dubravka, Yedlin, Lascelles, Fernandez, Mikio, Richie, Shelby, Diame, Kennedy, Perez, and Muto. Um, so just we don't really care about Brighton's lineup. Honestly, um, but what do you? What would you like to see from Newcastle lineup lineup wise uh, for this weekend? And you kind of alluded to Muto, but yeah, definitely talk about who else you want to see out there. I did allude to Muto. I want Muto up front, <clears throat> and as as much as I know we hate Perez, I would like to see Perez in the central attacking midfielder role. Um, I just want to see him up there. Because he is fast, he's okay with the ball. Uh, just, I don't know, he makes a lot of mistakes. <laughs> but, um, but honestly, having Shelby and Diame back is a dynamic duo. Both of them are really good with each other. When you have both of them, there's a lot of creativity. Um, and they, were, they had some of the best plays for Newcastle last season. So I like having them both on the pitch. So having Shelby up there is going to bring some creativity. And I think maybe playing Shelby and Perez next to one another with Diame and Kennedy on the wings. That for me wait, is. Wait. Diame and Kennedy on the wings. Yes. You want Mo Diame out on the wings. Yes, I do. Wait. Perez. Yes. Next to Shelby. Yes. Okay. I get that. <laughs> what? I get, I understand that, mm-hmm. but you want Mo Diame playing as a winger. Yes. 
not a holding midfielder. No, because I think he's creative enough to actually be a winger. So you're still missing a midfielder, though. Yes, and that's where I say that we probably play um, – sorry, I would actually rather play Yedlin up in that holding midfield spot. I'm wow. throwing – I am completely shifting everything that Rafa Benitez does because so, I think we change it up. But um, – and then in the back, I would have Lascelles, Fernandez, Mankilo, and Dummett. Okay, that is something. All right. I got to unpack all that. So, Matt Ritchie, who has been phenomenal this season, yes. you're just saying no. No. Wow. Just against Brighton, maybe no. Because I think it's smart to see what you have, and I think it's smart to move Yedlin around. Because um, for Yedlin, I think putting him up there kind of as like a defensive midfielder, would be great for Newcastle on attacking roles. Um, having Diame up in the wing would add, I think, some more creativity on the attack along with Kennedy and Perez and Shelby playing off of one another, Muto up front. I, I think that that setup for midfield and up um, striker-wise would be pretty talented. I, I would like to see the club do it without Richie. And oh, yeah. bear with me on that. I, I would just like to see Richie come off in place of um, in place of Perez. Okay. So um, I have Richie opposed. probably come uh, on after the 45th minute in the second half. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess my only real criticism. Um, I that just like you... change your entire belief of Newcastle's lineup. No, not at all. No, I didn't blow nope. your mind. Not really. I, it shocked me. I see your logic, but I think there's two flaws. One, I don't think Diame is fast enough to be a winger. And his touch is still so bad. So that's – that's. I mean, and granted, we play Perez, who has pretty bad touch as well as, as a number 10. So, I mean, anything's possible. But I, I think that would slow Diame down is that he's he is an engine for sure. But I don't know if he's got the speed um, to – to really get out on the break like we want him to, um, which he does on, on occasion, but I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. And then, I mean, I mean, Yedlin, possibly I could see him playing in the midfield as a holding midfielder, but I would like to see, um, like, and it, it think it's a great attacking option. I don't know if it's the best defensive option, though. I think you're going to still have to, you still have to rely on John Joe Shelby to come back and help defend just because I think Yedlin's still going to push farther up. And I don't know if Yedlin's got the instinctual, ability of but don't you think that that's probably the best option if you're going to have Yedlin running up to defend then you'd rather have the four other defenders at the back not Yedlin I if Yedlin's going to struggle to get back I'd rather have four defenders who are going to stay back and I'd rather have Yedlin and Shelby be able to like kind of like switch it up yeah I mean I see I see I I get that I I just I just think that like when you have a holding midfielder in general I think that's where Yedlin's going to end up you really, really, I don't think he'll end up like that because I don't think anyone's ever going to trust Yedlin to be a holding midfielder because I don't think anyone's ever going to trust Yedlin to, to be the last line of defense and cover for center backs and such when center backs go forward or, or things like that. Like there's other, there's other parts of being like that, having that holding midfielder role. And one of the big parts is like being another sense of security for the entire back line. 
That's why, like, some of your best holding midfielders are some of the best at winning the ball back and, and also holding possession, which Yedlin is not great at holding possession as well. Like, you're in Golo Conte's, you're, you're Paul Pogba's. Like, they win the ball and they're able to, able to you know interchange between center backs and cover for center backs and and get back and I I have no I have no disbelief that Yedlin can get back but I would rather see him I mean if we were if we had a tremendous amount of points right now I'd love it but I don't know if I'd like it now I could see it in the future but I don't know about now I mean if it's something that Rafa is working on in training sure whatever no time like the present to experiment yeah but I will say I think he's got the physical tools to do it I think he's got the ability playing FIFA yeah. I won every single game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think, like, he's got the intangible. I think some of the mental stuff and just, like, adjustments, I think he's going to have a struggle with. And I think one of his mental barriers that – and we saw this with the American goal – is that he still assumes too much of everyone else around him. And I think that he's not going to have that instinct to go and go and win the ball, which, like, I think he, he knows when it's one-on-one with him. And he's great. He's fine one-on-one against some of these pacing wingers in the Premier League. I think he's completely – he knows that i got to shut this guy down, and he does it. But it's when those – you got those questionable decisions, those questionable runners where you see Yedlin struggle because he assumes that someone else is supposed to do their job when, you know, really it should be him doing it or he should just go all in and, and attack. And I think – again, I think as a holding midfielder, though, you, you have the four defensive backs, you know. you got the right back, the left back, and the two center backs. The only person I'd be concerned about playing behind Yedlin – is Mekila. Yeah, that's, that's the only person I'm concerned about playing behind Yetlin. But I think that having the four backs behind him gives him some sense of security. It may give him some more confidence that if he makes that mistake, yeah, he needs to get his ass back <laughs> yeah. to defend. But at the same time, he still has four defenders there that yeah. can maybe hold, him, hold off the offense until he gets there. So... I think that maybe doing that will give him some confidence. And again, I, I still think that it's where he's going to end up as a player. And I think he's going to be very talented at it. Um, one of the best, maybe not, but talented, I think so. And I think for Newcastle United, it'd be beneficial for us to see him do it. Yeah. I mean, I, if, if it happens, I don't think it'll be, I don't think it'll be Rafa who does it. It'll no, probably... Rafa doesn't like playing people out of their position. Yeah. Yeah, he often doesn't do that. The only guy who I would expect to play him out of position would actually probably be Brendan Rodgers. Okay, uh, that's fair. But um, I was going to say I wouldn't be surprised if it was something that, that like, I think the way it would happen if this, like, realistically, because I'm assuming realistically, my Rafa dad turned Steven Gerrard into an attacking powerhouse, though. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm just saying this is what I'm saying. I think that, like, realistically, if it were to happen, this is how it would happen because I don't think Rafa is going to get fired. I think that when we get a new um, U.S. men's national team manager, they may try people out of different spots and, like, maybe one friendly we see DeAndre Yedlin kill it. And that sort of start that sparks a role with him with playing as a holding midfielder for U.S. men's national team. Yeah, I can see Jose Marino doing that when he takes over the U.S. men's national team. Wow. Bold. <laughs> I was going to say Tata Martino, but, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> That is fair. Um, so uh, I'd say for me, I think we're going to roll out with probably almost the exact – I'd say probably the exact same lineup. I think the only – different spots. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think – well, <laughs> basically. Basically the exact same people, but just not in the same spots Brian has them as. Um, 
I think that uh, the only change that could be made is I think that Mankio could possibly, if Dummett's, if Dummett's healthy enough to play, I think Dummett's going to play. Um, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, that, that's our, those are our lineup predictions. I do think Muto, like you said, he needs to be playing. Um, I think one, he's got the confidence to go out and score a goal. And two, like how dynamic he is and how fast he is is something that like, I think we've been missing. Um, especially when going on counterattacks. He was just lethal on counters, um, really getting involved. And he and Perez, they have pretty good link-up play. It was kind of reminding me of when we played Perez and Gale together. Um, may he rest in peace, um, Dwight Gale, um, in the championship. Um, but, but yeah. Yeah, um, I, yeah I, I like those lineups. Okay, so score predictions. Uh, I think Newcastle wins 2-1. Okay. I think Muto gets goals. Both goals from Muto. Um, I'm going to go Newcastle, get a clean sheet here and win 2 nothing. A uh, clean sheet at home. I think Dubrovka is playing out of his mind. Um, I'm sure you saw some of the saves he made, he made against Man U. There were some ridiculous losses. He looked unstoppable against yeah. Man U until our defense started breaking down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, it was only then when Dubrovka, you know, you can only do so much as a keeper. But he did everything asked of him, and I can't be upset with his performance. Yeah, I think, Mark, honestly, I do think once Newcastle get a little bit of momentum going, this is a bold prediction. We're calling it out um, months in advance. I think Dubrovka's going to finish near the top of the league in clean sheets. Um, probably probably one of the best goalies outside of the top five or six or whatever. Um, he's probably going to be up there in terms of clean sheets. I, I think that he's just unreal. Also, I think our defense is – out of any acquisition, I think he's one of the best acquisitions Newcastle have had. Newcastle yeah. have had in a long time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He I certainly agree. saved us multiple times last year. So, yeah, and getting him for four million—that is a steal in today's market, as you know, especially with a lot of keepers, especially ones who start on a national team level. Um, they are getting paid out of the wazoo, and it looks like we got Dubravko in a good deal. They're getting bought and sold for record amounts of money. Yeah, and it's just disgusting. Honestly, the it's amount disgusting. that wow. yeah, yeah, it's disgusting. I think the amount that players are getting sold for right now is outrageous, and the amount goalkeepers are going for is outrageous, especially well, young ones because they're not typically real world class caliber players until their mid to late twenties. Yeah, and but you want to you want to hop on top of that young for ninety million pounds. That's fair. I, okay, you're not telling me Edward. Ederson and Allison are just – they're unreal. I would say that as well. Um, yeah. I, I understand with Allison, but I think Ederson wasn't as big of a purchase. I think Allison I think, yeah, maybe that's a bit of a stretch. Dude, Liverpool, did Liverpool really need to pay that much for him? I don't no. think so. Um, but he is, he is a very good goalkeeper. And I think he's got – like, I think you have guys like Neuer and De Gea who – have shown that it's possible to be just a really good top four or five goalkeeper from when you're 21 to when you're 35. And I think Buffon was the same way. Like, yes, for most goalkeepers, they hit their prime late, late twenties, early thirties. But when you got certain guys who are already doing the job at age 21, 22, 23, 24, why not buy them now before they get even more expensive in the long run? I think that's the logic, but I will say this, the economy is doing well. Inflation's ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. I, I think it's just bad for the market in general. Yeah. Yeah, the market in general is crazy. But we do have some questions. With Dubrovka, he goes for 50 million pounds. Okay, yeah. That actually could happen. I wouldn't be surprised. But um, moving on to questions. So you guys heard our score predictions. We both predicted a win for both Newcastle and 
uh, well, well, obviously for Newcastle, we both predicted a win. Both of us predicting two goals. I don't think Muto is going to score both. I think it's going to be Muto and let's see. I think Muto and Richie sounds about right. I think Kennedy is not due for another goal in like a couple of weeks. So I think it'll be Muto and Richie. Um, but yeah, so moving on to our questions, Kennedy. we have a few questions. Hmm? Kennedy's been suspect. Oh, he's suspect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. He had a good game last week, but before that, not a lot of good games. Um, so, yeah, moving on to our question. So, we have uh, one lost muffin with the first serious question. Um, this is a good question. Um, is Mike Ashley secretly helping the team by lowering its market value, um, allowing more people the opportunity to buy it off him, or am I rationalizing the actions of a moron? So, what do you think about that? Do you think Mike Ashley is actually helping the team by lowering its market value? Mike Ashley helping the team are words that have never been spoken on earth. That is an anomaly. It doesn't happen. I think you are rationalizing the actions of an idiot because Mike Ashley cares about one thing and one thing only. He cares about Mike Ashley. He wants to get the most money out of the club that he possibly can, even though he bought the club for, what was it, 150 million pounds back in yeah. 2007? Sell the club for 250 or still making a profit. So yeah. he's just greedy. He's greedy. He cares about the money that he can make off the club with minimal investment. I don't think he's purposely lowering the valuation. I think what he's doing is he's trying to be more involved in the club, lowering his valuation just a little bit, to try to make it seem like his involvement for some reason makes it more valuable. So I, I don't think that he's doing anything for the club. I think he's doing it all for himself and I don't blame him, but at the same time, I don't think he's doing anything to help the club. I mean, I, I'd say, I think Mike actually, I think he knows how to make money. He's that classic uh, mm-hmm. Businessman that like is the evil cartoon character, or it's like, oh, all they care about is money. Yes, that's Mike Ashley. That being said, he is a he's a pretty he's pretty good at making money. And even if you don't agree with his methods, he does know how to make money. Um, and he does know how to not spend money. Um, I'll say this. Uh, I think that I think it's more of he understands, especially when there's been public reports coming out about the valuation of Premier League clubs, that his club is not as valuable as he thought it was. So I do think he lowered the price just because he wants to get the club sold. I don't think that there's really much more to it. Um, it would be interesting to see what the actual terms of the sale are if it actually goes through because Mike Ashley has loaned a fair bit of money to the club in interest-free loans. And he got a lot of that money back recently. Well, partially. Um, going into this, going into last season, we we're still 140 million pounds um, in debt to him. So I don't know how much of that he's actually forgiven or if he's gotten back. Um, so that should be interesting. That That's the one thing I'm kind of going to be looking forward to um, when whenever the club actually gets sold. Because if it gets sold for that 300 million pound price tag, um, it'd be interesting to see if Mike Ashley is making an additional 100 and something million due to loan repayment or something like that. Or if he's just going to forgive all the loans outright when the club is sold. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I don't know. I would say that um, you might be rationalizing the actions of a moron, but I would also argue that I think Mike Ashley's realizing that he himself is a moron um, <laughs> that he should probably lower the price um, but I wouldn't be surprised if once they get into the nitty gritty that he probably ends up selling it for like 325 with payments or something like that just to have the, the final laugh or something ridiculous like that 
Um, that seems like a Mike Ashley type thing to do. Um, okay, uh, we have one from our our host, Greg Troxel, who of course is in sunny San Diego, um, hanging out with Ron Burgundy. Um, he says he's in Napa right now, Napa Valley, uh, currently tasting the finest wine of wine west of France. What would you name your new Newcastle United FC wine brand? Oh, man, you're asking the wrong person. I am Googling expensive wines <laughs> because I don't drink wine. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, um, we're, we're both – Brian, you're, what are you, 21 or 22? Yeah, I, I'm 21. Yeah, we're both 21, so we don't really drink wine. Um, I drink beer. And I drink like good beers, you know, good IPA every now and then, a nice stout. Um, Brian, you don't drink anymore. I do uh, not know. So this is a hard question for the both of us. I'd say what's um, a very cheap bottle of wine that makes it sound like it's more expensive than it is, but really isn't. Mm. Because that's what I will call Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Just call it like I don't know. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> Oh, there's there's some directions that I could go with this. Um, hmm. Fine tine wine. There you go. Fine tine, uh, a, a red wine. There you go. We'll do that. That's mine. And yours okay, is I'll, just. I'll, I'll call mine. <clears throat> Mike Ashley Reserve. <laughs> the Mike Ashley Reserve. That if if Newcastle had a wine, I think Mike Ashley would name it after himself. Uh-huh. Like that's very realistic. I, I like that. And of course, uh, our final question today comes from um, the questionnaire himself, the goat Trevor Mooney. Um, he says, mm-hmm. "I need relationship advice, lads. <laughs> I've been with this person for eleven years now, and it has been a roller coaster. I don't know if we will last. What could we do this weekend to brighten?" up our relationship and get things back on track who your relationship sounds a lot like everybody else's relationship with newcastle united stay faithful Ooh, hope yeah. that one day it will get better i mean okay that's one <laughs> that's one that's one route to go i, I mean, mean i'm it, all for it staying faithful. It, it is it sounds a lot like you know relationship with newcastle united oh i mean he spelled brighton b-r-i G H T O A. Oh yeah, I I got that. Oh okay. I just want to make sure everyone knows that it's a pun. Um, I I would say this: you should convince your partner to sell all of their assets, and then you both be happy. They get money. You get you get them not being in your life anymore. So <laughs> I think that's probably what you should. But try do. to sell your assets for more than they're worth. No 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 no. Just make them sell the assets. Even if they're less, just just get rid of the other person so that there's a new person that comes into your life and they run Newcastle much better than than the other person. Or slowly sell all of their things so, so that way every day they see you, a new thing is gone, so they slowly disappear from your life. Mm. I like that. It seems or, – or just attack all of their assets individually. Like, get, get all their friends to turn against them, and then they're forced to sell something they love. I'm sorry about how your relationship is going to go after this. Yeah, um, it's pro- <laughs> you should probably, honestly, what you should do is break up with this girl. 
Not Newcastle, but if it's a girl, break up with her. It's been 11 years. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Stay faithful to Newcastle. Stay faithful to to the podcast, Trevor. Um, but yeah, so that is actually all for uh, today's episode. Um, once again, special shout out to Brian for taking the time out of his day to join me and make sure that this podcast actually still happens this week. So uh-huh. shout out to you, Brian. No problem. Do you have any uh, parting words for for the fam? Yes, I do. Oh. We have an email, chainradio at gmail.com. If you have any interest in contributing to the site, um, please send an email over there. I read all the emails personally, and I will try to get back to you, and we can figure out how you can be a good fit to join our team over here at Coming Home Newcastle. Yeah, and if you have any feedback for the podcast, any comments, questions, concerns, um, obviously email the email as well, nufc at gmail.com. Um, of course, like I said, give us feedback, tweet at us, tweet at us, um, tweet using the hashtag, hashtag CHN radio, or of course, hashtag CHN to Antarctica. Um, and of course, email CHN radio and UFC for any questions. Um, obviously the good questions get read on the quad on the pod. Honestly, if you send us a question about anything, we'll probably read it on the pod. Um, of course we have some relationship advice questions, but if you just want to know a little bit more about us, we'll, we'll, we'll answer your questions. That's what we do. Um, of course, subscribe and rate us on on uh, <laughs> on, on rate us on iTunes or on Google Play and yeah. wherever podcasts can be found. Give us five stars and leave a glowing review, or leave a bad review, but give give us five stars. Well, leave a glowing review. Okay, I'm all in it for the stars. The stars help us get noticed. Yeah, but I like words that boost my ego. Yeah, that's that's fair. It's honestly probably impossible to give us a bad review. Um, there's nothing bad about this podcast. So no. um, anyway, that is all uh, we have for you guys today. Um, hopefully next time we talk, um, next time you hear the lovely voices of CHN Radio, we'll be talking about a win. Uh, and with that, ho away the lads. <laughs>